0: Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy.
1: Hello, Mari. How's it
0: going, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, recovering from a sneezing fit this morning. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Mario, you want to tell the listeners what happened?
0: Yeah. So like you and I helping out the men's shed this morning, move some uh, furniture out of a retirement home. And I mean, look, I think there were some places underneath certain beds that probably hadn't been vacuumed <laughs> since that bed had been moved in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just decided to have a violent sneezing mm. fit, which uh, you've, you've now been blessed to witness w- twice. twice within yeah, a week. Yeah. Yeah. They're violent. Had one. You had one before our
1: team meeting. I'm yeah.
0: Like. Which is great when you are supposed to be leading the devotional (laughs) (laughs) and having a sneezing fit. So yeah, but um, it's just, I was saying to you before, it's autumn. Spring doesn't really like do it for me as much as autumn does, which is weird.
1: I love autumn. This is my favourite time of year.
0: Yeah, look, I do love autumn. I'm not going to lie. Despite the sneezing fits, it is a beautiful time of year. I feel like there's not many deciduous trees out here though.
1: No, there isn't. I can't see many, Mm. but
0: I love it how daylight savings ended.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just oh, it's such a. I just feel like I got so much more time. I wake up at like five thirty. Like, oh, my ah, my body clock thinks it's six thirty, but it's five thirty. I sure. got more time to do, do things.
0: Do you feel there's a point where it flips back, or Oh, probably, but you know yeah, the first yeah. week or so it's yeah. a good novelty. Yeah, I think like like the change both ways. Like I quite enjoy it when it becomes daylight savings and you get the extra time in the evening.
1: Yeah, I, think I don't uh, I, really. I mean, you oh, you haven't had you haven't had your first. Yeah, wait, wait till you're trying to put George down and he thinks it's, you know, five o'clock and six o'clock by daylight saving.
0: It's... Is there one way that's better for, like, your assessment of putting kids to bed? Yeah, when it reverses back. When it goes back. Yeah, because the kids are tired. Yeah, right. And it's okay. darker. And so they're kind of going to bed
1: early. Yep. Sort of so much better first oh, first I saying saying I was like we're moving to Queensland
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're moving to a dairy farm in yeah. fourth, far north Queensland
1: <laughs> where they don't do daylight saving oh I just yeah and then one the first year we had Hazel There was one night the kids didn't go down to like 9.30 mm. like down at saving time because
0: they're mm. just so out of whack it yeah was... I mean that's when George goes down at the moment okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's um it's interesting and like I am pretty pro-daylight savings. I think, like, for the most part, it's good. But it sounds like there's probably a good, like, five to seven-year yeah, gap it's, where it's not so great yeah, for kids. We'll have this conversation
1: with six months' time when I don't daylight savings. See how
0: much I'm digging it. Yeah, in. you're like,
1: oh. <laughs> So, the, the cross in Matthew. Yeah. We're unpacking that. And Matthew's gospel as the the Jewish gospel.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, the Woody Allen of the gospels. <laughs> Woody was Allen. was my... Serious because he's Jewish. Well, yeah, just because he's very Jewish. Okay, like all his—not all his movies, but a lot of his movies are like very, like heavily, like Jewish, like influence. He's like—I feel like he's the like archetypal neurotic Jew, like the New (laughs) Yorker neurotic Jew. He's like the the first Ross Geller, you know. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, like, because I was actually having this conversation with M the other day. If you had to sort of put like a face to each of the gospels I've, I've already decided i think rocky balboa is a good one for mark because it's almost like a, a training montage the first like half of side, it yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then it kind of like you know comes into the second part of it with a big punch <laughs> and then yeah woody allen's the like jewish sort of matthew what would you say like a luke or a john elt
1: oh uh, i don't
0: know i haven't thought of the
1: gospels in that way um I guess, John, I would have someone a bit more mystical. Yeah, I was thinking Maybe the, um, I don't know. I
0: don't know. I was thinking a good one for Luke could be, like, a Louis Theroux. Because he's, like, so Louis Theroux, like, he's a British, Mm, like, guy mm. who's an outsider, goes into America, interviews people, compiles, like, weird stories, and brings them together to present to people to, like, get an insight into this, like, wild it's a, Subculture It's actually interesting In researching for this week's sermon I found a book called Just
1: Dear Theophilus All, mm. about, all about Luke and mm. I like, that's an interesting way to title it Because it is A letter written to Theophilus mm. Twice Luke and Acts Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, So there you go Louis through
0: What yeah, about John just about this I don't topic. know Like It's like maybe like a Russell Brand Like he's just so <laughs> out there And like kind of spiritual Like you yeah, know yeah, Kind yeah. of like he's got that Kind of mystical vibe to uh-huh. him and he's just like so different, do you know what I mean? Like such mm-hmm. a an outlier, and a weird one. That's why we have the Synoptics, yeah, and then John, yeah. Well, one thing that I um, failed to mention on Sunday is so much connection of the three Synoptics in their crossover material. John is ninety percent original yeah. material. That's insane.
1: It is insane because um, I can't remember the figures off the top of my head. You had that diagram, but there's that. In Bible College terms, there's a Q source. Yeah, I don't know why they call it Q. The the, mm. the oral transmission, the sources that went around, which yeah, Mark, Luke, and Matthew yeah used to create their gospels and
0: yeah.
1: It, but it's interesting. Like uh, I'm going to talk about this a bit on Sunday. Just how. Uh, the same events are narrated a little bit differently Hmm. or presented differently for Hmm. authorial intent. And Hmm. so how Mark and Matthew and Luke use their gospel messages, they might have things out of order. Yeah. That's because they're trying to get a theological purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily trying to tell chronological Mm. history. So it's like history. It really happened, but how events are moved around. Yeah, totally. And so that's one thing I've noticed when you read, the synoptics is sometimes if things are in different order, sometimes they're like in the same order like jesus yeah. crossing in all three jesus crosses the sea of Galilee, calms the storm casts out the demoniac mm-hmm. the demons then the woman would bleeding and he raises jairus's daughter like, they all that's the same yeah order. that seems to happen then yeah. others like different parables at different times
0: and so mm. yeah it's interesting mm. um, and then like it was even an interesting thing of like maybe what the phrase son of god would have meant for different audiences mm. So, like, for a Roman audience, Son of God, like, has Caesar, Caesar-like yeah. vibes to it, whereas, like, Son of God for a Jewish audience has those, like, Davidic sort mm, of... Yeah,
1: or even Adam. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's the son of God. Yeah, so it's, like, just, like, the same phrase in, like, mm. a different gospel to a different yeah. audience can mean different things, which is fascinating. Right. Uh, That segues very well into Matthew, Matthew, Mm. the the Jewish gospel.
1: I like what you said here. The question you asked us, is Matthew pro or
0: anti-Jewish? Well, people would like to say anti. (laughs) You know? Yeah. What do you think?
1: Uh, Yeah, I actually quite liked your answer. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, because he rips shreds off. Well, Jesus does not so much Matthew. Mm. Jesus tears shreds off the Pharisees. Yeah. Um, and that's particularly in the last week before his death. He's calling them whitewashed
0: tombs. Yeah, and, you know, sons of vipers, murderers. Like, uh, even when he
1: cleanses the temple. Yeah, my, you know, it's written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Like mm. he's, that den of robbers language is tapping into Jeremiah. He's doing mm. a bit of a Jeremiah thing, placing mm. a curse on the temple. Mm. The The parable of the... Um, vineyard with the son who's yeah, killed, yeah, yeah. like that's yeah 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 it's pretty clear what he's talking about. He's like, hey, you're the ones that killed the son. You're the yeah. one killing the messengers. And yeah. So, but then for others, he's very loving and gentle. I and mean, like the woman who anoints him before yeah. his death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Certainly loves her. Yeah. And then the Pharisees probably didn't like that either. Him being anointed by a
0: yeah a woman. Yeah, well, I suppose, like, it's the idea, like, there is... He's, like, almost, like, anti-against the Jewish establishment. Mm. Um, but he's not, like, anti-against the Jewish people because he's essentially... His gospel is for them, Yeah, right? Like, as far as the primary original audience. Mm. Like, he's trying to say, hey, like, guys, like, this is the good news and it's how it, like, ties into your entire history and culture. And, yeah. like, it is it is weird sometimes when you start thinking about... The Old Testament is also, like, the history of a nation. Mm. Like, it's totally a spiritual book, but yeah. it's it's also a nation's history. And, like, it's weird. Like, some of the things, as, like, I spoke about on Sunday, like, it's not, it's not exactly... Uh, you couldn't accuse it of being Jewish propaganda. Like, they uh-huh. don't, like, sort of glaze over the shortcomings of their greatest heroes. Uh-huh. Which, like, if you look at other cultures... They usually will. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like they yes. won't mention the battles that were lost as as yeah. readily. They won't mention the mm. downfalls as much. Um, yeah, maybe it is a bit more propaganda um, in other. I think it actually histories. reveals the
1: nature, particularly like the narrative parts of the Old Testament. How the ultimate hero is God. Mm. You, you're meant to look at. I always find like way off topic with Genesis. Mm. I love love it when Jacob has married to Rachel and Leah. It's just chaos. Mm. Like they're vying over his favor. Um, Yeah. One of the sisters gives up, you know, their pomegranates, whatever it is, so the other can sleep. And it's just, this is not how marriage is meant to be. Mm. And in the midst of that, it's God just overseeing everything. Yeah. And yeah, like you mentioned on Sunday, Jesus is the greater day that. Abraham and Moses, and even the great King David, the man after God's own heart, mm. he had some huge failings. And yeah. There's one, there's one you mentioned, which I find a very fascinating narrative. 2 Samuel twenty four seventeen. Yeah. Would you like to unpack that for... Yeah.
0: You know? So it's like the last kind of chapter of like King David's life sort of thing in, in two Samuel. Uh, yeah. And his son, I've had him as a blank. It's not Absalom the other one. I've
1: had a mental like too.
0: Because Absalom has died. Yeah, Absalom's died. What's his well, other he's... son's name? Not Solomon. Because no, um, oh,
1: 24, he's talking, that's when he does the census, isn't it? Yeah.
0: I yeah. mean, look, essentially it's this idea where he's being told that he's going to, you know, his, his kingdom's going to reign forever. Mm-hmm. But he starts counting his men yep. in this idea of you know, starting to almost make sure that he's got enough men to defeat his his son's army. And it's this idea where he suddenly stops trusting Mm. God. In like, you know, there's been so many moments previously Mm. where he just so faithfully trusts God in moments where he's fleeing from Saul and, you know, could have killed Saul in a moment and decides not to. Like, And yeah, I suppose it's like this moment of, really falling short in a way that's a little bit different to, like, what we see in, like, a Bathsheba yeah. story. Like, we can kind of understand how, you know, ordering the murder of Uriah the Hittite yeah. and, like, you know, sort of taking advantage of of somebody who, you know, was under your kingship, you know, uh, in with Bathsheba is obvious sin. I mean, the interesting thing is it's... I don't know. I almost find, like, the moments where I read um, somebody falling short and I'm kind of like, what's the big deal? A little bit. Like, isn't that kind of smart to count your men if you're going to go into battle? Yeah. Like, it it almost, like, for me, like, has, like, a similar vibe to, like, Moses, like, hitting the rock. You know, I'm like, really? Like, that's what, like, stopped him from being able to enter the promised land? Mm -hmm. You're like, and that's, like, the big thing... That the gods angry with Moses about as well, mm, mm. but like in in both these times, it's like taking autonomy into your own hands, not trusting God, not listening mm. fully, um, and yeah, like that's that's what leads to like their downfalls. Because mm. it's um, it's a really intense
1: narrative actually. If it's interesting because in, Samuel and Chronicles basically share the same life of David. Chronicles yeah. ignores the Bathsheba sin. Focuses on this one, so it's seen as like the the Mac Daddy scene of David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he skips out Bathsheba and his failure with Absalom, but this is, and it's really intense. Like as part of the punishment, he's given um, choices about you know, what what the punishment will be. And um, I'll read it here. So this is Second Samuel twenty four. It says, here, you know, David got up the next morning. Gad the prophet. You know, this is what you can choose. What's going to happen to you? We three years of famine, three months of fleeing your enemies, or three days of plague in the land. And David chooses three days of plague. He goes, "I'd rather fall into the hands of Yahweh. His for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into the hands of men." And then God sends a plague, and seventy thousand people die. It is super intense.
0: Yeah, well, especially because like they are seen as. I mean, like, what did they do wrong? Yeah, no,
1: innocent. It's, it's... I guess, too, it really shows the impact that the king has over the people. Mm. The heart of the king will, in a sense, determine the heart of the people slash the fate of the people. Mm. So it's... In some sense, even though I, you wouldn't call this, like, prophetic in a sense, it does point a little bit to the need to have a good son of David reigning on the Mm. throne because if this is what the man after God's own heart, the consequences that his actions have 70,000 people die. Mm. Yeah. We're going to need someone better than,
0: than him. Yeah, totally. And I mean like, again, I like, I just think it is helpful. Mm. Like when you come to a moment in like scripture like this, like I really struggle with it. (laughs) Cause you know, it's, yeah, it is hard to, I suppose, wrestle with this idea of people who maybe didn't seem to have sinned or, or disobeyed God themselves. Like David. David's soldiers mm. pay the price for yeah. David's sin. Mm. And like we were talking about before this idea that, you know, a kind of comparative moment of when the Israelites are worshipping the golden calf mm. and Moses adds offers himself yeah. as this sort of like intermediary sacrifice yeah he's like a Jesus proto-Jesus totally mm. but like Moses wasn't the one who'd made the mistake in the way that David no. was and the people who do suffer God's wrath in the golden Calf story are guilty mm. you know they've, they've, they've been worshipping a false idol mm. they made a false idol and then worshipped it and it is this kind of like interesting thing I'm like I can you know, as sort of horrific as it is to think that, like, God's wrath like, destroyed people, um, I can maybe get my head around that uh, <laughs> a bit more yeah. easily than that, the idea um, of, like, these yeah. innocents. Um, well, yeah. I,
1: I guess, too, it shows the wages of sin is death. And if we go back to... Because David's... He's another f- important figure throughout history. Like, Adam... Um think about Adam. So D- David's kinda of like a new Adam in a sense. Sure. He's meant to lead Israel, the new garden of Eden, so to yeah. speak. Adam and Eve committed one act and it's like sure. chaos. We're <laughs> still paying cosmos for it. implodes, you know. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So that's one act there and you and I could say, Well, we didn't we didn't eat the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Suffer from that. And yeah.
0: Or even the way you say, like, you know, the sins of the father, like, goes on to, Mm. you know, later generations. And, like, uh, you know, I suppose David is set up as a patriarch, right? Mm. Of, like, the people of Israel. So the idea that, yeah, his sin do affect his his sheep, as he kind of says himself, as the shepherd. The Bible
1: has this real... And I think as Westerners, we struggle with Mm. this collective mindset. Mm. Is that a representative... He fails or succeeds everyone's blessed mm. it comes up a few times in the bible um another intense narrative Achan you know Achan mm. Book of Joshua so there's this great oh, contrast yes. yeah, yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Rahab who's a Canaanite she's delivered and ironically becomes like grafted onto Jesus line sure. sure. of Judah she's one of the mothers of Jesus Achan who's from the tribe of Judah he commits the sin he doesn't give up all the treasures of Jericho to the harem yeah. to be devoted to... Well, I don't know how that was meant to look like, to be made, <laughs> d- devoted to Yahweh, but sure. he keeps it for himself. And it's not just him that dies, it's like him and his wife and his whole family. Yeah. It's really quite... Oh. But it shows you like a microcosm of like representatives. Yeah. And so that shepherd thing... But at the same, but jump to Jesus. One man's action on a cross means that we're all saved. Sure. So... So I I find that tension as, as a Westerner who goes well it's my seat and I
0: shouldn't pay for,
1: no one else should be responsible. Yeah, for what yeah. I this do, isn't but... my tab. I yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But... Yeah,
0: totally. And I think it is actually like just from conversations that mm. I've had with people over the years, like it is this sort of point of contention, mm. um, and I think maybe it l- comes a little bit from like a like self righteous like as well because you know mm. they'll they'll essentially pose the question well like why do i need to pay for adam and eve sin Mm. this idea because this is sort of the paradigm that Mm -mm. we're given for you know why do people die why is Mm -mm. there sickness in the world why is you know um the world broken but i suppose then the response to that is like okay well like have you never made a mistake are you you know this Mm. is the perfect person and in the way that you know adam is the first man they are Mm. the representative of the human condition And this idea that, yeah, I mean, none of us <laughs> deserve yeah. eternal mm. life. None of us deserve salvation. None of us deserve the grace yeah. that Jesus yeah. offers. And it, um, yeah, because even David, um, so jumping
1: back to Second Samuel 24, verse 17 this is what you quoted in you know, church on Sunday. It says, when David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall upon me and my family. Mm. But doesn't that's the interesting thing, isn't it? There's David's family isn't wiped out. He offers sacrifices. Um, in the site, actually, the place where he offers sacrifices is a site where the future temple is built. Which, according to Chronicles, is Mount Moriah, where yeah Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. So yeah. there's this connection there of like for sure the the appointed special son nearly dying, yeah, and yeah, David doesn't die,
0: yeah, you know, he asked to well, likewise, it's... when Moses is sort of doing his moment, he's also on the top of Mount Sinai, mm. and then you sort of see Jesus' crucifix mm. on the top of like Golgotha, mm. right, the mount of the skull, yeah, so yeah, there is this really beautiful imagery time and time again of these tops of mountains being really important yes. to. Um, you know, I suppose... Salvation. Con- yeah, connecting with God, this idea of where, like, heaven and earth meet Meets, in a yeah. really, like, interesting way. Um, biblical yeah.
1: geography is important. <laughs>
0: yeah, biblical geography. I think it's... that's the quote of the episode. Biblical Bibl- geography That's is maybe the important. name of the episode. Yeah. Biblical geography is important.
1: <laughs> well, it is. Um, it's
0: titled to, like, if a you don't, book. Uh, Look, yeah, uh,
1: you know, If you don't understand...
0: Like, if you don't know a
1: map of Jerusalem, like, yeah. is on a mountain, and that's... Important to understand that, yeah. That the temple was on a mountain, and yeah. And even when Jesus says in Mark about after he's cleansed the temple, mm. um, talks about if you say, you know, to this mountain be thrown into the sea, he's mm. not just talking about if you have like the power of the force. And I thought as a kid, I thought, oh, that's like, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's talking about the temple mount, you can remove this temple, put something new in there, yeah. That, that, yeah, geography is important, even, um, there's the gospel of thomas which yeah. has its own birth narrative mm. they did say its geography's all wrong it's just typing like instead of you know mm. getting down from jerusalem heading up towards bethlehem and oh, interesting yeah like just that like yeah. there were clues
0: that was the only reason ago. why people like no we're taking it out the geography's wrong no, well, no there's, <laughs> there's many reasons yeah.
1: but like there's just little hints like just understanding the yeah yeah or even how um like the flats where chariots do well on flats,
0: which is why yeah, you know, say so judges are like oh, we can't fight them; they
1: have chariots. And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. What it meant going, to be yeah. like a fortress on a hill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that
1: was the point of um, Jerusalem. Like mm. when David conquered it; it was mm. a city on a hill. It was meant to be unconquerable. Yeah, and that actually the sign of David's blessing from God to be able to conquer Jerusalem. Yeah. And so,
0: I've got a, I've got a dumb question oh, that may lead okay. nowhere. Why do the names of mountains keep changing? I don't know. If it's important for us to know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that like Horeb and Sinai are the same mountain. Yeah. Like or like that um Mount Zion and Mora are the same mountain. But I don't know. Yeah. It is like yeah. interesting. Like it's making you work for it. It to is. To figure out like it's not spelt out that the There's almost
1: an assumption you should know. But sure. Conicler, he makes the link. I can't remember what chapter off the top of my head. Yeah. But yeah. When he talks about Solomon Building, it's like Yeah. But there is this the Bible has a lot of just assumed knowledge. You yeah, assume like Matthew. Matthew he assumes he said this. Matthew assumes that you know these. Things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mark he explains the like the ritual. I think you said this ritual washing. Yeah,
0: yeah, the, yeah. The temple tax yeah. and like the yeah um the garbs of the Pharisees. It's just like yeah, you know what a phylactery is. You know it's a big box that a Pharisee wears on their head. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, like, I suppose where that question was leading is, Mm. is it because it's assumed knowledge? Or do you think there's perhaps an element of, like, making you work for it? Because I think that that's something that I am realizing more and more. Mm. That, like, there's moments of the Bible that, like, aren't supposed to be easy to read. Mm. That you are supposed to keep on coming back to it. You are Mm. supposed to keep on diving deeper. You are supposed to um, work for it a Mm. little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think there's an element of truth to that. I can't remember exactly the quote, but there's I've read some rabbinical teachings from mm. before Jesus' time, and they essentially say it's something similar. Like there's a element of like it's a lifelong study. You yeah, know, dig deeper. It doesn't mean the Bible's a code. You have to
0: be careful. Yeah. clear about that. Some people think That's that good. there's
1: like a secret code in the Bible. Mm. And if you find this word, it will depict some sort of code. If like you the like matrix. crack like
0: the Da Vinci code, yeah. and suddenly you're like, oh!
1: <laughs> yeah, there's... um The Bible's not written that way. It's... Yeah, it's, I guess... What the Reformers say? The, the sense of the Bible is meant to be clear, like all people. Pe, pe, periscuity? Can you remember that? No. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I can't remember. It's been a while since I... Yeah. But basically, it's meant to be clearly understood. But mm. also, too, it's... The Bible Project says this, the Bible is simple, but not simplistic. Mm. They really resonate, yeah. So you could read this narrative on David you know, putting the census up. And you're like, okay, yeah, I know what that means. But he start to dig deeper... Mm. you find there's a lot there's a gold mine in there mm. and yeah, if you have like a whole view scripture you know things you start to see little hints there like okay got David here 70,000 people have died because of this action hmm what's this trying to say mm. to us yeah God has mercy mm. perhaps there's something more to this perhaps we need a better king mm. and so that's what I love about the Bible there's yeah.
0: so much depth to it so simple but not simplistic yeah that's cool. Mm. I liked what you said about, like, got to be careful that we're not, like, looking for, for codes. Like, or, like this almost like this secret, um, almost under, underlying, like, yes. message that only the true sort Believe of... Believers know. Yeah, or the, like, true scholars or the people who are, like, yeah. really in the secret know-how. It's
1: like a it's, mystery cult. There's The time when... Like the church was born, there's a lot of what they called mystery cults. And mm. So the more knowledge you get, the more mysteries were revealed. Mm. The only time the mystery mysterion Paul uses is mm. like it's the Old Testament. Now it's been revealed in Christ. Mm. There's no secret knowledge, so to speak. The Gospels mm. are very public. Yeah, they're for all people to read, mm. not just for the select elite few. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But actually, um, that's a coat. That's secret code or lack of secret code mm. I Say it t- kind of ties well with matthew because
0: yeah, matthew totally. uses
1: lots of prophecy
0: yeah more, more than any other gospel yeah. <laughs> yeah he um like really refers to a lot of it and like it is a really interesting journey to go on when you start mm. going deeper with like those prophecies um this was like sort of something that i was uh, maybe, yeah, a little bit disillusioned by when I, like, went to, like, Bible college and they started, like, unpacking all of these, you know, like, the, the classic one that I think maybe is more well-known is, like, the Emmanuel, you know, mm. his name will be Emmanuel, you know, like, that's originally, like, that wasn't, like, referring to Jesus. Jesus. That was, like... Re- I have a feeling I, I taught this a few months back. Yeah, and it's this yeah, idea yeah. that, like, there are definitely um, some passages in Matthew's gospel that he refers to as prophecy that, you know, are about Jesus. But, you know, uh, one good one as an example is the Hosea. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Hosea 11.1. One. It's like, um, out of Egypt I called my son. And it's this idea that, well, like, that's that wasn't a prophecy about Jesus. That was actually, like, when... They're like, say it's like talking about sun, or yeah, like God yeah. is talking about sun. It's talking about like the nation of Israel right, coming yeah, out of yeah. Egypt, like quite literally. So, like, we start to see that maybe there's some references to prophecy mm. that Matthew's making that aren't actually foretellings, mm. you know, aren't. Um, maybe maybe uh, fortune tellings in the way that we as like Westerners like to understand Yeah, because that's how I was taught. I mean, yeah. We we're,
1: were saying this before. A lot of um, apologists will use, say, hey, look, how many t- t- prophecies have been ticked off and fulfilled in Jesus, therefore it's proof. Because that was sort of how I was taught. I was like, oh, these prophecies here prove. Yeah. But, yeah, and that was quite... I found that too when I studied Old Testament. It was the book of Isaiah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Emanuels. That one always sticks with me, just how... I read the context. I was like, "This isn't just suddenly talking about events three thousand years into the future. Yeah. It's got its immediate context." But yeah, what we call typology—it's like a symbol. So yeah. Matthew's reflecting back on the scriptures and going, "Okay, well, Isaiah talked about an Emmanuel as a sign at the time of King Ahaz, yeah. when the, well, the the Israelites and the Syrians were looking to conquer Jerusalem." This child born in the 8th century called Emmanuel, and now we've got, actually got God with us. Oh, he was like a type to come. Jesus is a type of Emmanuel. Because yeah. Jesus, no, apart from that reference in Matthew of Emmanuel, he's never called Emmanuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John to it. the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't use the word Emmanuel, so Matthew's seen that typology. It's just, This event is a sign yeah. that Jesus does, not necessarily.
0: It takes him like really... Yeah, like some some humbling <laughs> and um, dangerous word, but almost like some mm. deconstruction of our like preconceptions about mm. like what prophecies are actually meant to do. Yeah. I love this like little quote from uh, Mark Strauss, um, and he says Christians in the West tend to look to prophecy for its apologetic value. So essentially for its value in almost like mathematically, you know, through rationale and reason, Mm. proving the legitimacy of something. Um, Knowing something ahead of time, he writes, is proof of the message's divine origin. Yet for Matthew, the fulfillment of scripture is less about apologetics and more about God's sovereign purposes. So the establishment of patterns of fulfillment Confirms that all of human history is heading towards its goal and culmination of Christ in Christ. And I think, like you know, you've already said it, but this idea of viewing these prophecies that Matthew is quoting less as sort of fortune telling mm. um, and more as symbols. This idea of there's almost these um, these. Paradigms that have already been put in place, that we've seen how God acts previously. Mm. And we're seeing now, as Jesus himself says, like that he's the fulfillment mm. in the way that, you know, as I was alluding to with Abraham, Moses and David, where others in Israel's history have fallen short, Jesus is the perfect fulfillment mm. of that. And yeah, it really does like for me take a little bit of uh intellectual sort of recalibrating of understanding why mm. these prophecies still have value and weight mm. in matthew's gospel mm. yeah and one of the things i've noticed if you look at the old testament
1: there's patterns mm. that come through there's this sort of creation yeah. sort of fall exile restoration sort of theme. Yeah. And you so obviously genesis 1 and 2 and 3 are part of that. And you sort of see it along. Noah, there's this sort of creation. He builds an ark that's yep. like a creative act, fills with animals. Yep. Then there's... He's there, saved. Then there's sort of a, a, a fall. He sins with, you know, the fruit of the vine. Yeah. Then there's a sort of um, restoration eventually. Um, there's a curse upon Canaan, but... Um, what was he named? Seth. it Seth. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Seth and Japheth are blessed. Yeah. And so that pattern kind of... It or well, maybe not identical every time, but there's that pattern. And that's how we're meant to see scripture is... There are these patterns which yeah. you look to and yeah, you well, see, okay, this happened once, God's going to do it again. Classics like Joseph. Joseph Well, yeah, like Egypt, Egypt
0: is a really evocative yeah. place. Like, yeah, yeah. Like whenever you... um. Like see, like somebody's going into or coming out mm-hmm. of Egypt, like you are supposed to, and even yeah, yeah. like this idea. And of even Abraham has a couple of encounters totally. with Egypt, and there's
1: plagues that happen to Egypt because of Abraham, yeah. which is what happens to the Israelites in Egypt. Sure, there's like a foreshadowing of that. Yeah, and yeah, so all that's to kind of point back to how Jesus, his life, will mirror some of these key moments yeah. in Israel history, and it's meant to like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, images, images. would you say, disagree with this if you mm. feel like it's uh, not well worded, <laughs> but would you say that like in some ways, a lot of these prophecies have already been fulfilled, but not fulfilled in full. Yeah. I think <laughs> they've is, been half filled. <laughs> yeah. Definitely some of them.
1: Um, yeah. Well, obviously like the ones around birth, Emmanuel, uh, Calling out of Egypt, I call my son. There's a sense that they've been fulfilled, but there's others which, when when, what's called known as the Olivet discourse, Mm. where Jesus talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. For for those of you who didn't go to seminary, it's just the the sermon on the Mount of Olives, olives, yeah, (laughs) the (laughs) Olivet discourse. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh,
1: Sometimes I forget. we Matthew love it, 24. we love it though. We learn, yeah. We, yeah, learn. we do. Uh, um, Matthew 24, they're talking about the temple, and you know, Jesus is like, Hey, yeah, I'm gonna tell you, not one of these stones will be left on top of another. And so, there's a sense he's talking about the actual destruction of the temple in AD 70. And he also sort of talks about the future at the same time,
0: so yeah, no, like, and it is. Really interesting. I was, I suppose, painfully aware <laughs> that I was going into a lot of Old Testament stories mm. and 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 all of that in like my sermon. I'm aware, sorry to the congregation, went a little bit over time over the 20 minute <laughs> limit that we try to stick to. Um, but I think it's impossible to really unpack Matthew and not oh. ad- uh, not not address the Old Testament, not yeah. address like it they. Without the Old Testament, like Matthew, you know, or, or almost, you know, can't can't stand up, you know, like it really is the the foundation that the entire Gospel of Matthew it is built is. on. Um, I think more, actually, I don't think I, I would definitely mm. say more than the other three Gospels. Yes. Um, so I suppose like I would like to maybe just like finish off today's chat by asking your opinion and thoughts. Mm um the you know the great nt Wright sort of poses this idea that the most compelling way to tell the story of jesus is in this almost like matthew way of showing it him being the fulfillment the final fulfillment of of expectation of history of israel of of you know the the entire old testament mm-hmm. I mean, what what would maybe uh, Luke say to that to sort of segue into your your sermon on well, Sunday? Well, it's quite
1: interesting because Luke, he may not quote Matthew in the same way, but even at the beginning where John the Baptist is born, it's Abraham and Sarah's sort of typology. Sure. Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth, she's a barren woman, which if you know your Israelite history, it's like, ah, oh, barren women, they're going to produce special sons. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. even though he... Yeah, even he, even though he's not, like, direct like Matthew, he still draws. Yeah. Even in Acts, too, there's images he uses at the temple, the, the lame man's leaping around. Mm. It's like, that's kind of what Isaiah foretold mm. when the at their last days people will be leaping around for joy. So he's probably more subtle.
0: Yeah, because his... he's writing to a Gentile audience. Yes. Yeah. Mo- probably more than any of the yeah. other three gospel mm. writers. And yet there are these really rich allusions yeah. still.
1: Yeah. Look, you can't divorce Jesus from his Jewish context. That's mm. the reality. And ironically, it's Luke, who I often use quite a lot on the Sermon on the Mount to prove for the need of the Old Testament. This is what Moses and the prophets and the writings wrote about me. It comes from yeah. Luke 24. Um, so, yeah, you can't divorce Jesus from the Old Testament, which mm. I like, have such a passion for the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, Another right. There's two rights out there. Yeah. N.T. Wright and Christopher Wright. Christopher Wright says you could preach Jesus with just the old because that's what the early church did. Yeah, and That totally. really resonated with me. It's like, well, Jesus, there wasn't Gospels yeah. around Jesus just
0: used scriptures. Yeah, he wasn't um, quoting Philippians. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so how, how do you kind of get someone who has no idea about the Old mm. the Old Testament and mm. Jewish history?
0: Yeah. I, like, I guess um, that's part
1: of the lifetime study mm. of it and it's introducing people to jesus and unpacking that as time goes on otherwise it's too overwhelming um but then saying there was a there's a, a documentary called e Tao, which means mm. it's true and i can't remember it's a little island oh, country I in the south like pacific an electronic town <laughs> <No, right. laughs> like... <laughs> so it's about a group of new tribes missionaries who went to this little village in the south pacific and um they taught them the Bible from Genesis all the way through. And because they were oral culture, they understood. And they left deliberate key points as cliffhangers. And so when Isaac's about to be sacrificed, they left it there for like, I don't know, a day or a week. Mm. And the local, they started talking, Isaac's not going to die because this is, this is God's promise. son. He can't die. And so even that, they were starting to do mm. biblical theology. And then when they got to Jesus, they go, Itau, it's true, it's true. And then the village became safe so that was their strategy was to go chronologically through the old testament Mm. and end with jesus and so that worked for them
0: yeah for us here (laughs) makes it harder when people like maybe are gonna like miss a week at church yeah i know yeah it's different when you've got a oral culture well that's that's the thing and also a culture who like is gonna maybe check out church once yeah (laughs) which is i guess
1: why a lot of new Christians encouraged to read mark because it's the shortest sure um, and it probably has some of those more explanatory notes in it yeah about
0: would if you I agree mean, with that sentiment about NT right no no oh. with Mark being mark. the best gospel for a new Christian because it's interesting so actually like, like going the, to go John well the college that, that I like mean? teach at we've got like sort of a mix of like Christians yeah. and atheists and Hindus and Buddhists and like we do Luke which, like, wasn't my yeah, choice, yeah, yeah. like, but I don't, you know, disagree yeah, was, that in the idea that, well, like, Luke was writing specifically to a Gentile yeah, audience. I
1: actually think John.
0: That's just me. Why I is that? John.
1: Oh, it's just, I find it the simpler. Hmm. Again, simple, not simplistic. Mm. Simple to read, simple Greek. Like, if mm. you translate John in Greek, it's quite easy, but it has things that you can, like, mull over, and I think, yeah, I don't know. Look, look all, all the gospels you need the Old Testament mm. to unpack it, but mm. and this is why discipleship is a lifelong journey. Mm. Um, Jesus didn't pick up the, the disciples and say, Okay, matrix style, plug it in, now you yeah. have all knowledge, yeah, move on. It's a three year journey, and it's even Peter like he's like, Hey, you can't get crucified. Yeah, like he didn't get it. So yeah,
0: he'd been walking with Jesus for three years yeah. and he still it. And then
1: James and John are asking him, Can we sit at your right and your left side? And he's yeah. like, you don't
0: yeah, get this. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what are you
1: what are you doing? Like yeah. one is gonna sit on my right and my left, they're gonna be crucified and that's sort yeah. of the irony that the disciples flee. But it is a lifelong journey and yeah, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface sure. with my scripture knowledge. So yeah guess all that's to say is yeah you can't divorce jesus from the context but just getting people into jesus is the start and then mm. building that from there so where it is you go from genesis and we're going to go all the way through and learn the big narrative or just start with jesus i heard both i heard people just literally pick up the bible start reading and go that's oh, true i believe mm. and there's a sense where god's spirit reveals sure himself to yeah. people through his word yeah that's the key, yeah. just getting into his word. Because living and active and sharper than any
0: two-edged sword. Hey, so, Hebrews 4.12. Yeah. <laughs> so we have done Mark, we have done Matthew. On to Luke. Yeah. Can you give us any little sort okay, of... Uh... So
1: I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to focus on Luke um, 23, which is Jesus' actual like the crucifixion and unpacking... Um, That and comparing Mm. that, so looking at the criminal on the cross, yeah, cool, in particular, and that Jesus, um, promised that today you'll be with me in paradise. And so, looking at how, yeah, Luke structures his crucifixion account differently to Mark, yeah, focus is different, yeah, but still the same events, and just showing Luke's intent of presenting
0: Jesus, so all right. That'll be fun. Very cool. It. Looking right. forward to it. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to Sunday. And I reckon um, it'll be pretty cool once we're finished and we've kind of got a clearer, like, definition mm. and defined view of the four Gospels. Yep. I guess really going to help moving forward mm. for this church. And, uh, yeah, I've been getting a lot out of it. So All looking right. forward to Sunday. Right.
1: Thanks, so. <laughs> man. Thanks, dear listener at
0: home. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> See you next week.
1: Bye.